Hey listeners, before we get to your show, this is a blast from your past. Were you hanging around in the 90s watching Nickelodeon before you got too old for it and started smoking weed and doing drugs? Well, then you should know us. This is Danny Tamborelli and... And this is Michael C. Morona. We're here to ask you to check out our podcast, The Adventures of Danny and Michael. And here's our on-air producer, Jeremy, to tell us what you'll be hearing. You can hear things like minisodes, full episodes, nostalgia dumps, interviews with some of today's hottest comedians. That's right, Jeremy. All of those things and more. So check us out. The Adventures of Danny and Mike on the Seltzer Kings Network. What's up, taters? Uh, A word about today's episode. The conversation you're about to hear is a rewatch, a Sex in the City rewatch with comedian and actor Matt Bronger. He's super funny. We were super stoked to have him on the episode. Um, The note is the word about today's episode is uh, that my audio is a little, a little sketchy. It's a little, it's, it's not bad. And we did a lot of work on it and it sounds, um, it sounds good. I don't know if it sounds good. Otherwise, I wouldn't be giving you this note. Um, It sounds a little bit rough, uh, but it's definitely listenable. We had some microphone problems. And uh, you know what? To our listeners, we apologize to you. The good thing is we did a lot of work on it. It's not going to sound like the pristine Bradshaw Boys quality that you are used to. But, you know, listening to it, it it. It sounds like uh, a conversation between two people, and um, it's really funny. Matt is a a comedian, actor, like I said, and he's actually, he tells some great stories of being on set with Kyle MacLachlan and John Corbett. Um, We watch Sex in the Country, which is a classic uh, Sex in the City episode, and we just have a really great conversation. Uh, But we want to give you a note that it's, like I said, it's not the quality that you're used to, but the good news is we've had our microphones We had them fixed. We actually got new microphones and um, we were able to do all that through our Patreon for the people that are patrons. And so we want to say thank you to our patrons. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, head over to patreon.com backslash the Bradshaw boys. We're doing a lot of great fun episodes there. We're doing uh, rom-coms. We just went on a Sex and the City bus tour in New York with on location tours. We're going to put up a video of that pretty soon. And um, uh, Kevin and Katie started their own sub podcast over there uh, called The Pink Ladies uh, that you may have heard here. It They're covering musicals. Um, and uh, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of great stuff that, you know, they did the Pink Ladies uh, because I was talking about how I didn't like Greece. And then I went out of town. And I came back and they start a whole other podcast. And you know what I got to say? I'm glad they did because it's good. Uh, but um, anyway, all that to say, a lot of fun stuff on the Patreon. And we would love to have you over there. So like I said, uh, it's 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 starts at five dollars a month. You get tons of extra episodes and it's patreon.com backslash the Bradshaw boys. And it always sounds good. It's Patreon. Um, all that said, this episode, this conversation is fantastic. It doesn't take away from how funny Matt is and it doesn't take away from the great conversation we have about sex in the city. So um, enjoy. We just want to give that a little note and um, enjoy the episode, taters. You're now listening to Bradshaw Boys, a podcast where three relatively grown men binge the iconic HBO series Sex and the City. So dust off those DVDs and grab yourself a white wine or even a cosmopolitan and settle in. Take it away, boys. Welcome to the Bradshaw Boys, a podcast where three guys are watching and re-watching Sex and the City. Uh, I'm Corey Cavan, and uh, today we're having an intimate chat with a comedian. It's just going to be me and him. Please welcome comedian, writer, uh, and, and now Sex and the City watcher, Matt Bronger. Hey, Corey. How are you? Uh, I love the hook. I love a, a podcast with a good hook. Is it yeah. Good? You know, I feel like in everything I've done in comedy, there's always there needs to be a hook because otherwise I'm just a, a guy or a group of guys. Yes, yes. And uh, there's so many podcasts where there's just groups of guys like you and I just talking, and uh, and they need to be destroyed. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so get, give us give us individuals something to talk about. Like yeah, some rando thing, and this is a great angle in that you know 
this episode, I mean, you know, it's just two dudes talking about Sex in the City who you wouldn't you wouldn't ordinarily think would would watch it, but it's like I I watched that episode uh, a long time ago. Oh, really? I know we're gonna go off and watch it now, but like I yeah. I haven't seen it. Like, but it's been so long. It was like two thousand and one, I think. It's yeah, I think that's when. I, so the show started in ninety eight, goes through two thousand four, and I think this is this is episode or season four that we're in. So yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. around two thousand one for sure. Wow. Well, that brings up an interesting thing. So you're in Los Angeles, but you you were in New York for a long time as a New York comedian. Well, no, uh, I was I was there. I was in Chicago. I was in New York for college, so I was there okay. for four years, but not in the city. Okay. Uh, it, but uh, then I moved to Chicago, and then you know, been back to New York plenty. But I was never, I've never lived in New York City proper. Interesting. So, because I was going to ask your your relationship with the show, you said you'd watch Sex in the City back in the day at some point. What, what's your relationship with the show? And then I guess the other question would be like, how's that influence any relationship with New York? Well, from from the get go, it it started when I was in Chicago into when I first moved to LA. So I didn't have any direct correlation with with New York then, but I it was you know, watching that show. It, it was always you know it's like I hate to say it, but it's like oh it was a it was a show for girls and gay men, you know. Like so I didn't see it a lot, but my girlfriend loved it, and it's one of those things you'd watch kind of like oh begrudgingly, but you're like. You know, everyone in that show is great. The writing's good. It's it's fun. It's cute. It's definitely like these half-hour bites of comfort. But, you know, it's also complete and utter fantasy. Like, yeah. Carrie Bradshaw could never afford that apartment doing whatever her job is. Like, it's even, you know, they don't even get into, like, somehow she's such a huge blogger. Yeah, with all these followers, it's like she just writes for a magazine or something, and she writes for like a newspaper. Yeah, yeah, newspaper, and it's like, where am I going next? And it's just all of her articles are questions: Is he <laughs> the one? Am I the one? Am I my him? Yeah, thank you. I'll take ten thousand dollars. You know, but uh, <laughs> but it's like, so what? It's like uh, you know, kind of like a superhero movie. It yeah. just doesn't make sense, but it's fun. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, but I, I remember why. It was like a side of New York. You know, when I was in college, I went to – I didn't live in the city, but I went into the city a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was – it had no correlation with any New York I knew. You know, yeah. I was hanging out in Lower East Side uh, drinking 40 ounces on a loading dock and smoking blunts and, you know, and walking the streets. And, you know, just kind of uh, uh, – just going to music shows and, and going to clubs and um, hanging out in St. Mark's Place. Yeah. Uh, before it, you know, which is now like a mall. Yeah. Uh, basically. But um, it, it just, there, there, that entire show is basically uh, uptown. Yeah. It's, it's all the upper, upper west side, upper east side. Yeah. Um, and it, so it was like, it was, it was called, kind of cool to see like an, a, a part of New York I never would, never, I never went to and I didn't know any of that life. But it's, it's a really fun fantasy, that show. Yeah. It, well, I think that's a good point because I think that like their version of downtown New York is like Velvet Rope Soho Club. Meat Meatpacking District. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Meatpacking District, which I, I remember some of that, uh, but it was like I never went to any of those clubs because I was just I've, – I've never, ever been that guy. I've never been that guy who goes – and and uh, goes goes to hook up and has all this money to spend on cocktails for people. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I could I can I can date and and hit on people in a dive bar. I've yeah. always been good at that, but at least back in the day, I, I was okay. But like just that strata of social interaction, I've never known. <laughs> well, really. And I so with you being a stand-up comedian, like I think that there are probably no stand-up comedians who live in that world. And if they are, it's like a, a stand-up who has suddenly gone into the upper echelon of like they're hanging out, like their friends right. are now A-list actors. But there's right. no one like from the world that I've been in in comedy. I'm assuming the world you've been in in comedy. Comedy clubs, improv clubs, bar shows, yeah. that is not the world of Velvet Rope, Meatpacking District, no. models, people that are somehow making $10,000 off their newspaper every month. Like, there's right. none of that happening at all. No, no, no. The, the, the only comic that would come to mind from that era that would 
uh, kind of fit into that, be a puzzle piece in that puzzle would be like, say, Dane Cook. That is exactly what I was thinking. You know what I mean? Who did? Who's, who doesn't drink? Yeah. You know, so it, and, and, and they, they routinely on that show, it's kind of like, if you don't drink, it's like, what? <laughs> well, later in season six, I think Samantha's boyfriend is this guy, Smith Jarrett, and he's sober. And it's like a, it's like a joke. When people meet him, they're like, oh, wow, you young kids, you're really changing. You don't drink, huh? And it's such a thing that is, is completely foreign to everyone. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, I, I remember an episode of like Will and Grace where um, uh, Megan Mullally, is that her Megan name? Megan Mullally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her, her character who always had a martini, she meets this perfect guy and they agree on literally everything. And they're like, oh my God, where have you been all my life? And she's like, let's have a drink. And he goes, oh, I don't drink. And she's like, bye, and the credits. You know, that was, you know, that culture of, I mean, there have been so many articles written about the, the, the the casual alcoholism of, of not only sex in the city, but people living in New York that way. I I did a a mental health podcast the other uh, day and with this comic who was um, named Danny, who was the social media director for Caroline's and he became a standup and and he's a real good dude. And he, he was talking about, he's been sober like three years. Uh, and I was like, that's, I give you a lot of credit because I, I feel like New York, I won't say who, where the hardest place to be sober is, but the New York to me would be the hardest because you almost never drive. Uh, there are ample opportunities and, and the, the culture of heavy drinking to me, it feels almost more ingrained there than even Chicago or Boston in its totally. own weird way, you know? Uh, and I don't mean just, you know, I feel like alcohol at every event that's definitely boston that's definitely chicago but the culture of fuck it let's get wasted to me is is at least in my memory has been so new york well you can see you can see that from someone who's lived in new york for a pretty long time now you can see that when your friends who don't live here come to visit yeah and they're just like we are throwing in the towel that would because be yeah, we don't have to drive. We can hop in an Uber, and even even like Uber culture is is kind of everywhere now. Yep. Like, and I know that's changed Los Angeles, but it's still different. Like my friends that live in LA are like, yeah, we kind of we kind of start making dinner and kind of turn night not like going to bed, but like the night is slowing down around seven or eight, and like we're having like a chill night at home. We're having friends over. We're making some dinner, you know, even if things are getting a little rowdy, it's, I think the difference in New York, and I forgot who first told me this, but they had described it as like Mario Brothers, where you can go down a pipe and then pop up in another place. And like the subway and cabs and social events are like, you, you can routinely, I, I worked a job yesterday. I came home after that uh, actually i worked a job i finished i went and saw a movie in the lower east side i came home to brooklyn i went back out and texted a bunch of people and a random co-worker who we mean to get coffee it was like let's go get dinner at this restaurant and then like had a couple of drinks and then stayed late with the restaurant staff and like that could be any night there's routinely nights where it's like you start at one place and it's a it's a five location night and that doesn't happen in a lot of other places no and, and you know I, I i really can't think of any offhand where that is optionable uh you know it is truly the city that never sleeps there are bars that don't close uh you know uh you know it, and the only city i can think of beside is it would be new orleans yeah absolutely that 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 as as being an option so my my point is not Oh, New York is bad for you. No, each and every one of us are as good and as bad for ourselves as we let ourselves be. So yeah. I have friends who live there who have uh, excellent control. I have friends who didn't have as strong control, and I'm glad they don't live there anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. I always wondered how bad it would be for me, and probably pretty bad. I I do really enjoy a drink. Uh, you know, definitely have slowed down, uh, allowed let myself to still indulge at times but kind of i mean when i said when you said that people coming from out of town that definitely is me where i'm like oh man i love going hopping from show to show and having like a beer at each show you know uh but you know i just make sure that's not nine shows <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know, it's just, but it is it is like the place where people go and they kick off their shoes because yeah. it's, it's intoxicating there's no there's no place in the world like it and i've been all over the world it's the heavyweight champion of cities 
Yeah, um, that's such a good way of putting it. And and one of those one of those the things about this show is that the these women are keeping each other not only mentally healthy but sane. Mm. Because it is it is a it is a lot. New York is not if nothing else, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I, I, I think that I've, I've always told people like the amount of things that can happen to you in a day here yeah. will happen in about a year in another place. Yeah. And it's just there's even this morning, I'm like, I, I, I woke up, I went to a coffee shop, I saw a, a Fiero, if you know that car, like I saw a Fiero that was like painted like a trapper keeper. I, I ran into a guy I haven't seen in years. We saw him on the subway. We did the like, oh, and then he had to get off. And then I got off and then there were some guys who were super strung out in front of me that I had to like walk around and had a weird interaction with. And like, that was all before 10 a.m. So it's like, you know, it's just that. Well, okay, so speaking of going to multiple comedy shows, uh, uh, you you have a new, you've had multiple comedy albums, but you have a newer comedy special that is, that is out now um, called Doug. And uh, tell us about that. Well, it's named after a terrible guy my wife and I met on vacation once. Uh, and that's the final story, and it has, it has this big, uh, this big kind of magic trick like reveal at the very end that I spent close to a year doing on the road as my closer. And after every weekend or or or, or big show, I would have to kind of uh, do detective work online and see if anyone had posted the video, like filmed me doing it, and then I would send them DMs, be like, hey, can you take this down? So now I'm glad that it's out. I don't do that joke anymore, but it's kind of like this, you know, is this this big thing that, you know, uh, it would it would give it away uh, and it involves, you know, uh, a, a random audience member kind of thing. Like I said, like it's like a magic trick, but it basically breaks down where I'm at in my life, having a kid uh, during the pandemic, driving 3,300 miles across the country with a six week old uh, during an electric year in an electric car with uh, California plates. Highly recommend that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just but meeting all kinds of people, but it's just it's very it's very positive. I mean, I wanted the 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 special to be kind of like a vacation for people, like oh, let's get our friends together, have a couple drinks, and let's 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 get this thing on on pay per view because it's like that's how I did it when I was a kid, where it was just like oh, you know, it, what you call event watching. You know, typically it's like a big fight, like UFC or boxing or whatever. But now we're moving into uh, kind of the DI, a uh, very strong DIY uh, era where, you know, I'm, I have a partner with this thing, but I own it. I own the whole special. And so I'm just putting it on, you can rent it. Uh, whether or not it'll go on a free platform, we'll see, not for now. But it's like, you know, it, it's not it's not a gold rush on my part, but it's like my last special, I sold to Amazon Prime and it covered all the costs and that that's great, but it kind of got buried because that's what I always say, like the most ironically ironically named thing we have right now is a comedy special because they're not special. There are billions. It's a wall of faces. And how do you choose one? And I'm just like, well, let me take mine out to this field and see if anyone wants to watch it. Come to the field. It's a couple bucks, you know? And uh, this is not me uh, making a ton of money. I mean, I, uh, I, I, I had it initially on a thing called Moment where you basically get to have it for like a, a two-week period and that's it. So a lot of bands use that for live events. Uh, I've done stuff on Moment where it's like I'm doing a, a, a podcast with somebody kind of thing. And uh, it's, it, it, it was great because it, it, it made it that kind of uh, event thing to come to, to do it. And, you know, Andrew Schultz had done his special on Moment and made like over $5 million, which to me is absolutely hilarious. It's not only good for comedy, it's just... It's just so funny how that guy has picked the lock on all things, getting his voice out and stuff. I can't do what he does, and I don't want to do what he does. But it's like, hmm, you know, he, he's doing that. Let me try it, and let me also try this video on demand thing. So anyway, it's like, it's a special I'm I'm really I'm really proud of and happy about. And you know, the album streaming on all the platforms that are still allowing comedy streaming, what with the lawsuits, uh, mm. but um, it's out there. In the age of having everything available to us, the things that I end up enjoying more, a lot of times are the things that I that I pay for. Like there's a, there if I like there's so many there's movies that I'll look up and I'll be like, oh, it's only available if I rent it. And then when I rent it, I'm like, all right, now I have this to, 
I have this amount of time to watch this thing. I actually focus in more, you know, because I've paid for it. So I think there's definitely something to be said about the choice of doing that. I also think what's really cool is the choice of, I love comedy specials. I love comedy. I've, you know, done comedy. and I, But I think that there's something really cool about this is a thing that you worked on and it has a special thing that you had to, not only that you had to craft, but you had to kind of craft and then hide from the world yeah. and like the, in the Instagram era where there's a reveal where you're like, I had to work to kind of hold this away so that I could then put it out and then it, this is the only time that it'll happen and it'll go away. Like you're like, I did this for this special. It's, it's like, it's like a, it's like a movie premiere where it's like they're shooting something. We don't know what it's going to be. And then it gets premiered and you're like, Oh, that was what was happening this whole time. It's, it's the whole reason to go see something live, I think. Yeah, and, and exactly. And I, I think, you know, interestingly enough, uh, being a stand up comedian is kind of like it, 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 you're, you're a part of what will, what I believe will be the last bastion of entertainment because once AI has locked in on everything, you know, it's going to be, people are going to be able to hold their phones. And I mean, I do this, I'm basically doing part of a bit of doing stage where some, but someone will be like, yeah, I want um, game of Thrones five seasons, but uh, it's only the cast of friends go. And like, it'll be able to <laughs> algorithm that up for you. And it'll, you know, I don't know if it'll be within my cognitive lifetime that it looks as good as, how you and me talk or as real as you and me talking right now. But the thing about it is it's generated and it's not uh, something that human hearts and minds actually made. And tech people will argue with me and say, that's it's just as valid. I will disagree until I die. Um, the thing about live is that it is high stakes. It's terrifying. You don't know what's going to happen and it's immediate. And then it's over just like life. So, you know, I, it, it, that's the thing about why I still love seeing stand-up, why I still love doing stand-up is, is the risk, is the fact that, you know, it, it, and, and, the, and the shared experience of, hey, it's you and me. We'll see how this goes. So, yeah, you know. Oh, you're, you, wait, you got muted, man. I don't know what happened. Is that, I did get muted. Wow, I see, listen. Was, was that Elon? Did Elon come in and just mute you? I think he... I, you know, that was, uh, I think that was, a, that was, that was a test to show how great live things are. You know, you get mistakes. Yes. It, that, that wouldn't happen with an AI. AI would definitely not get muted. This is where you, you scream at your producer to leave it in. <laughs> exactly. Leave it in. Leave it in. Well, um, let's, uh, let's go, um, let's go watch, uh, season, season four, app nine, uh, sex in the country. And, uh, we will be right back. Episode 57. Sex and the country. Carrie is dragged to Aiden's country home in Suffren, New York. Charlotte visits the McDougal compound in Connecticut. Miranda yells at Steve when he tells her he has testicular cancer, but that he has no clue about his condition. Samantha gets annoyed when her dates keep asking her what she's doing next weekend. And now, back to the boys. All right, and we're back. Sex and the country. Um, you, you know, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we picked this one because I feel like it's two guys. Uh, so we did, we did an episode with um, uh, Kurt Brownholer, who I, who I know you know is a comedian, yeah. Yeah. and and the one that we picked for Kurt unknowingly was the uh it was the episode that is essentially known as the abortion episode in the series right i remember that one <laughs> and uh as we came back from watching it he was like guys why did we pick this one and um and you know we soldiered through and i think i think that you know we handled it well but i like that this one um this one there's there's a couple other differences in this where there's there's some guy things to talk about. Uh, sure. We've got Carrie's manly boyfriend up in uh we got we got Aiden up in his mountain house. So I'll, yeah. I'll let us down real quick of kind of of the story points and then we can kind of just like dive in. So uh, so yeah, at this point of the show, Carrie and Aiden are together. Um, they are trying to kind of push the relationship forward. And Aiden has a, a mountain house upstate in Suffern, New York. Um, there's some jokes about you're going to be suffering and suffering. Um, and uh, 
Classic, classic good Sex and City pun jokes right there. Sure, sure. Yeah. And um, so uh, Carrie and Aiden are doing that. Uh, Charlotte and Trey are, they're trying to get, um, they're, they're trying to get pregnant. Um, Charlotte ends up visiting the uh, Bunny McDougal, the McDougal compound in, uh, in Connecticut. And uh, mm. lots of more stuff with, uh, with just bunny uh trey's mom who like he clearly has mom issues also kyle mclaughlin is like such an amazing actor um yep. and um and then um we have uh miranda Miranda and steve steve uh has testicular cancer um that comes out they're broken up he has testicular cancer he's like it's no big deal and miranda is like it is a big deal um yeah. we, you you need to like get a doctor and basically like she she kind of moms him in like a great friend way well and she and she womans him because like that's the that's the the thing with men that's how we kill ourselves is we neglect ourselves and we go it's fine it's fine because we're societally taught a man doesn't cry a man doesn't complain and we take that lazily as uh, a man never gets checked a man soldiers on a man dies needlessly of cancer, you know, <laughs> totally, because it's just like, you know, this is my lot in life. I'll just go. There's a great, there's a movie. I forgot what it is, but it's got Michael Shannon in it. And he's playing this. Um, he's playing, I think it was, uh, I forget. I'll remember the name later, but it's like, he's playing this sheriff in Texas who finds out he has lung cancer and he's sitting there eating lunch with Jake Gyllenhaal and Jake Gyllenhaal's like, aren't you going to go to the doctor? And he was just like, no, this is the deal. I'm just gonna die now, and it's 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 so perfect and it's so needless because it's my, like my my mom uh, sent me this. I think it was a New Yorker thing, and it was it was uh, famous authors finished the uh, Why Did the Chicken Cross the Road joke, you know, and and I don't remember any of them, but Hemingway's was to die. Period in the rain. Period. Such <laughs> 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 a man. Just stark and brutal, and yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's funny. And I guess Michael Michael Shannon, the most intense man of all time. Absolutely, of course, of course he's going to die. Yeah, that's he's, he's not going to go on a spiritual journey and realize his life matters. Yeah. Really, you're this, making it the deal. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, and other thing is, Samantha keeps dating these guys who are always like, "You're amazing. What are you doing next weekend?" And she's like, "What do you mean next weekend? We're here now." I am a married man with a daughter and I'm not sleeping with any of my wife. And I don't say that to any, I don't say that to my wife, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't, you know, we have vague plans, but it's like, I would never, I would never hang out with any of my good and best friends and be like, that was fun. What are we doing next week? Like that, that to me was the most unbelievable part of the thing, but of the episode, but at the same time, I'm sure it was based on something real. It's yeah. vague enough. Well, that probably... so the thing about the show that they've said is that it, it all the storylines had to either come from something one of the writers had experienced or it's a jumping off point where someone's like, you know, I dated this guy and this happened and then they would kind of riff it. So, yeah, it definitely came from something. From something yeah, yeah, yeah. For it, sure. it's, it's, it's unbelievable to me, but it's like, who am I? You know, like, I, I, I get it. I think right. Yeah, brilliant. totally. Yeah. And uh, and then she and so Samantha then ends up going up uh, up to Suffering as well and um, uh, meeting Farmer Luke, uh, the guy who I think they said was like a hedge fund guy who then just moved his life up there and became uh, to live off the land and have a cow. Yeah, and, and, you know that the archetype of the the guy wearing just overalls. I've just seen, overalls. I will, no, I will no say in, it, in, in its in its defense, I've seen every male body type in that. Look, I've seen super fat, super skinny. I've seen uh, this guy, you know, very uh, attractive dude, healthy body. Uh, I've seen those, you know, the Jethro where the shoulders are cartoonishly large, you know. Um, but I, I've always thought the same thing about that, which is that looks so fucking uncomfortable. Like that looks so like... I want I want to buy them a T-shirt every time, and not because I don't want to look at their chest. I don't care, but it just look it's just the the chafing of the suspenders and the the raw uh, inner denim on your stomach and and nipples. It's just like ouch, dude. Just, there's a there's a whole thing that I'm guessing that you've 
scene. Um, it's definitely big in like Bushwick in New York. There's like the like Carhartt is back in a lot of ways, and I've seen guys in the summer in Carhartt overalls with no shirt, and Carhartt is the roughest fabric. Like you're definitely you're definitely looking to get chafed and walk away with some marks from that for sure. That's right. Carhartt does make some. I had a bomber jacket. I actually sold it at a garage sale that was by Carhartt that was like really soft and nice because they also have their kind of, you know, line for, you know, stuff that actually fits you to your body and it's yeah. just like a fucking tent yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, <laughs> totally. the, the, just a straight up Carhartt and Dickies off the shelf, you know, at Lowe's. Yes. Terrible on the skin. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's, it's, it's when you realize like when you go to like Gap or H&M and you're like, when they made these clothes, they ran them through a washer like 40 times, but, right. but Carhartt, they're straight out of the mill. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's funny you say those, those areas where you're, you still have younger, younger dudes. And I definitely did that. I, I would wear, I think I had a Carhartt coat. I think I had a, a, a Scully, uh, but it's kind of this whole, what, what I kind of call a Epcot working man or Epcot tough guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, listen, the guys who are actually working construction or on a farm, they have a sweatshirt under that thing. Absolutely. It's not, it's, it's a, it's not an affectation. It's just something that's keeping them warm. It's not going to rip when they brush against uh, heavy machinery. It, it's the, the hardest thing you're going to brush against is a, is a polished uh, oak bar top. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, that actually kind of brings me to think about like, so Aiden, Aiden, um, you know, he's a furniture maker by trade and, and he, uh, has this house upstate, which like, I don't know, I don't know. Um, this has changed since I've been in New York upstate was at this time in sex and the city. Like, I feel like upstate has become way more trendy in the past, like five to 10 years. I was, I was today in, in that coffee shop this morning, hearing a guy, talk about Soho house and like all these places to hang out. And in the same breath, he was like, and you know, the cat skills and upstate and like, it's become this thing. Uh, but I feel like in, it was different in the early two thousands. I think it was oh like, yeah, you didn't you, you, No, nobody did that. It was like that. It's a, it's a fundamental tenant of, of the plot of this episode is why, why are you going out there? That's where people die. You know, it's the woods that, you know, she gets freaked out by a squirrel. And I also yeah. was like, I, I, I kind of did hate how Aiden had been feeding this giant squirrel because squirrels are not friendly, good animals or whatever. You know, they're just, it's just going to come in your house and eat shit and run and, uh, and shit everywhere. And him, he was like, I've been making friends with this squirrel where it's kind of like, Aiden, stop. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I did a gig uh, a couple months ago in Woodstock. And uh, really incredible town, but you can tell it, there's a real uh, right now. There's actually a war going on between people who've been there a long time and people who are just looking to develop, develop, develop. And that's part of partially because of the pandemic, where people are like I just want a land, I want land and air and space, but also because of the climate crisis. Uh, you know, upstate New York, there's a lot of natural water reservoirs that are there and will be there a, a great long time. It's a good, you know, place to kind of go, all right, this is my fallback when, you know, when and if the worst happens. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's, it's, it's complete 180 now. And that cabin they, they were in, I was thinking about how much it would be uh, glamped, as they say, like glamping. It would have one of those like uh, those like sub zero refrigerators, the ones that's like all brushed metal. Like you would have that. There would be wine some... fridge, clear wine fridge, clear wine fridge, with yeah. some, maybe some sort of like a neon affect that kind of like is like a blue glow on the bottles. That's right. Um, yeah. Definitely that. Definitely like a like a a rough table that's rougher than what he has now. Like it's a table that's like that he would probably build himself. This is the thing that is interesting about Aiden is like he is is kind of the two guys in one. He is kind of the actual sort of authentic Epcot Carhartt guy or whatever you're saying. Like he's, he is that because he lives in the city. Mm -hmm. He's definitely like, Hey babe, like, Hey, but he, but he also, there's some authenticity of, of that with him as well. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, you know, I, the thing about Aiden is I really believe Aiden. The yeah, way they totally. Go, 
written Aiden is to not he like he's such a soft hearted dude, but he's also handy. Yeah, uh, you know, and he's also kind of you wouldn't necessarily call him kind of a. Um, it's like it's it's interesting to go like, uh, and this speaks to the the how textually written the show is. Who's more of a man's man? Is it Mr. Big or is it Aiden? Totally. Yeah. You know, or just Big? Excuse me, because Big is like square jawed dude. You know, uh, big boxy he's, suits. He's a king of business. He can't build a chair. No, Aiden not at can all. build a chair. Aiden can fix a pipe. You know. Uh, these guys are all, all the guys on it, Steve, they're all men's men in your, in their, in men's men in their own way, which is really interesting, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, you know, cause Steve is super handy. Steve doesn't think anything about cleaning out asbestos with no mask, you know? Kind of <laughs> totally. Uh, Steve, uh, I, Steve, I feel like had a lot of, a lot of summer jobs working drywall, like yes. for, for someone's 100%. uncle. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He reminds me of those guys that I went to school with who their dads were uh, were like these like bricklayers turned contractors that, could, yes. that would only hire other guys because it would take too long for them to do it with just their hands. But they could. They could certainly build a house alone. Yeah. Uh, and, and which is the most alien concept to me of all time. Totally. Steve uh, is one of those guys that I think understands carpentry. Like when you realize that yes. carpentry is math and geometry yep. and it's like, well, when you cut the, when you cut it with this saw, it's going to take out this much of the wood. So you got to account for that when you do your yeah. math. Like Steve understands that he understands angles, but it's all very normal to him. He's just like, yeah, that's what it is. That's, yeah, he's that's like, how it's the like, angle works. It's math by feel. Weirdly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, you know, I think I think if they made Aiden or or Steve like huge dummies, it would be really lazy writing. But they didn't. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not. You know, I mean, Stevie is kind of in his own world and just sees things very simply. But he's not a simple. Uh, he is. He's a simple person, but not in the dumb regard. You know, and Aiden is kind of head in the clouds guy, eternal optimist. So he doesn't even I, he doesn't even see it coming when um, when 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 she when Carrie leaves him eventually, uh, and he's devastated. But it's kind of he's also very adept at things. I always wonder, like I mean, Aiden. Eventually, we find out in the second movie that he's married and has kids. But I always kind of wonder. We've never met his wife, <clears throat> and I wonder. Who was the woman that like, cause he was clearly probably very hurt after, you know, for years after the Carrie thing. And I feel, I feel like he probably had a, he probably had a period of like going to bars, hooking up with younger women that were just like, oh my gosh, this hot carpenter. And then I wonder who the woman is that it, it kind of healed him and he got back in. I feel like she maybe uh is a little earthy maybe has some like kind of she's a little earthy and i think she's maybe a little bit more direct where carrie always had her whole thing was she always had one foot out the door uh where you know there's that scene in this episode where she goes out to eat a steak with big and he's he literally is going to tell her about fucking this other woman and she stops him she's like okay okay i made it 30 seconds you know where it's like that's funny because that's what she all but invited in, you know, where it's, he's like, is, is it okay that I'm talking about I'm in this cabin? And he's like, can I tell you about this girl's panties? And she's yeah. like, what the fuck? But it's, like, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that's your scene though. That's what you've built in a way where I think with Aiden, he probably did the, 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 the bar around and probably slutted it up a little bit in, uh, in, in Greenwich Village or something. And then he found someone who grows their own weed, but who is very direct. And it's just like, I feel a connection with you. And this is why you're great. I think Aiden needs to be told, he needs someone to be like, hey, you're awesome and here's why. And he's like, you know what? Like he just said, he's always giving. He's always just like, I'm here to provide, I'm here to build. And he just needs someone to, you know, uh, make him a cake and suck his dick. I'm sorry. Very hard. <laughs> but like, and love him and love him. And so, you know, that's, 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 that's just like what he needs. It's funny. I was just remembering, I was watching the show and going, fuck, I've worked with him. I've worked with him. And wow. it's kind of like, I've had this wild kind of all over the place bit player life where I was on a show with Kyle McLaughlin, um, uh, 
John and I did, I, I was on the United States of Terra, one of my first jobs. And uh, I wasn't in the scene with her, but I remember being at the at the table with him and Tony Collette. And like, Tony Collette is very, she's very sweet, but she's also very like, she's English, she's very proper. Yeah. And John is like a hilarious, hey, what's up everybody? Like kind of a fucking, a, a, a fuck around fun dude. He's very sweet, but he was telling me the story of how like of, of how, how he tried to break Colette out of her shell where they're they're trying to get this takedown and and they're so close to being out of there and john just goes come on guys let's wrap it up this coke ain't gonna snort itself <laughs> and, and, and tony collette is like what and she looks around like oh my god you all do cocaine and he's like no no one this is a joke and then she and she would like she laughed and she got loose and they got the scene so it's like I always think of that of like how that guy's the funnest, you know? <laughs> that, it, it's really funny because I think that you're maybe the first person that we've had on that has had um, connection with him. Like we, we've had Sarah Jessica Parker on the pod. We've had, uh, wow. we've had Kristen Davis on. We, we've, wow. we, we've talked to all the women in some sort of capacity. Um, and we had on Willie Garson before he, before he passed away. And like, so we, we've had a lot of connection. Um, and we, we even, uh, Kevin, you know, had a friend who's an actor who'd, who'd done some work with, uh, um, the guy that plays Mr. Big, you know, so like we've, we've had connection with that, but I think you're the only person that we've had that's had a direct connection to John Corbett. And it sounds like from what you're saying, which I love, you know, how actors sometimes like play themselves a little bit. It sounds like he's got a good bit of Aiden in him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's there's a reason why he's he plays those guys like uh, Big Fat Wedding, Big Fat yeah, Greek Wedding. Big Fat Greek Wedding. These dudes who are just incredibly good-hearted because he is. He seems like one of those guys. I don't know anything of his life, but he's just he's one of those guys. I, he you have those people you work with and they make you feel so fucking welcome. You mm. know uh, where he's like he's like yeah come sit with me man let's have lunch and it's like me and Brie Larson and him and I'm like whoa and and the, like to to not be you know, I, I know my role. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go eat over here. And he's like, he's like, no, man, no, come here. You know, that's crazy. And, yeah. Like such a cool dude. Um, and it, it's funny. I, I, I will just share this not to be like, like name drop or whatever, but yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing, Kyle McLaughlin is also a fucking peach. Like, gosh, he, seems we, we, like I it. shot with him for a week and then he brought in, we were hanging out in somebody's room. I think it was Sabrina Jalise's dressing room. And he, he brings in a bottle of his own champagne from his vineyard. Here, everybody. And he pours us all a glass and stuff and hanging out. And, I, and I've been just losing my mind over him all week. And I never said anything to him. You know, fucking, come on, dude. Twin Peaks, Blue Velvet. Like, Amazing. About it. Yeah. And uh, But there's a scene. I played this patient. It was on Carol's uh, second act. I played this patient who has this, like, spots all over his legs. And they can't figure out it out. And she figures it out. And she redeems herself. And Kyle um, McLaughlin's one scene, he had, like, two lines. And he just kept flubbing this one line. And Patricia uh, Clarkson just goes, like, she just goes, Kyle, come on. You're on Dune. You got this. <laughs> and, uh, that man, and he's just like, fuck. Because it's like, I mean, you talk about someone who's insanely famous, who's been in all kinds of shit. I forgot he was even on this show. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, uh, you know, I think if, if I I didn't actually start booking roles until close to, you know, until, until like 2007 or eight is when I started getting anything. Um, I think if I would have started actually working as an, you know, or getting sporadic acting work in the early 2000s, I would be kind of pissed off if I wasn't in Sex in the City because <laughs> it's just like Jim Gaffigan's on it. And, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying I would deserve it, but it's just like you, 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 when you're starting to get roles, part of you is like, hey, but why not? But I'm like, right? You know? Listen, it's the same. We talk about it all the time. Like you go through uh, the, especially the first couple seasons of this show, and it is, you see the beginnings of uh, like, New York comedy and also just like sort of stand up uh, yeah. of of who of how stand up and comedy would become in the next like ten years. Like there's a random there's a random episode where I don't know if you remember in the first two seasons they would do these sort of like direct cutaways where people would talk to camera. They break the fourth wall, and it's yeah. and, and they ended up forgetting to they ended up cutting that from the show eventually. But there's one where Todd Barry's just like a water cooler delivery guy. 
and he's just like talking about the weird things that he likes about about women and it's like him gaffigan we had tony hale on an episode and it was like one of tony hale's first big acting gigs and he's just like a photo assistant you know and i i absolutely think you would be like you know he would be like boyfriend, boyfriend at a party who like they find out oh. is also a cab driver, you know, no, and, it, and he's dream. like, would, he's I like, would, I'll just take my cab home, you know. Whatever. I would kill to be a te- like a terrible boyfriend or it's just a, a horrible date. Just put me in one scene, you know. Uh, I loved how Jim Gaffigan's whole thing was like the guy who, you know, left the door open while he pits and Miranda's like, takes a dump, he slams the door on him, you know, like. Which incredibly, incredibly unacceptable. <laughs> I, I, I completely. But you're right. It's like it's it. The Kyle McLaughlin thing is nuts because even just looking at his, um, looking at his IMDb, it's like you know, Twin Peaks, all the things you know. But then also like, you know, one of his first big things, like you said, is Dune, and then Blue Velvet, and then Twin Peaks. And you're right, Sex and the City is, it's not a footnote by any means, but it, there's just a litany of so many things. Like, I, for, I forgot that he was in Portlandia. He, like, plays yeah, he the, mayor. the mayor. Yeah, the mayor. And, and it's kind of like a joke where it's like, oh, it's Kyle McLaughlin as the mayor. But it's, it's a lot of stuff. I don't think he has, he has much ego. You know, he's just like, well, this, this seems like this would be, a, like, really interesting. Where... You know, like that Carol second act, I was part of me was like, what are you doing in the show? And he probably just like, I wanted to do a multicam. I wanted to do a sitcom in front of a live audience uh, and, and try to make this thing as funny as, as, I, as, I, as it could be in, in my way. And, you know, and he, is a, he has great timing. He's a funny guy. And like, he probably saw that role and was like, oh, Connecticut mama's boy, let's do it. Yeah, like he's, totally. He, he's, he's the one male character in this episode I'm watching and I'm like, get the fuck off my screen i don't like that you know like yeah and it, that's that's his that's the part he's playing it's or like fu- yeah mother is showing her mother oh my if if you're dating a dude and he keeps calling her mother it's like that's that's mike pence shit that's fucking well, i know well i was gonna ask you like you're you're married you have a child and like the the mother and mother-in-law thing like there is a i i'm i and the other guys in the uh, that you know we host this podcast together like we're all very close with our parents. We all come from good families. We're lucky to have great parents. Um, and I, I I, love my folks, but I also think there is a thing like when you start a family of your own that yeah. there is a barrier where your mother doesn't need to be uh, giving you a bath anymore when you're, a, when you're a, a, a surgeon, you know, who's trying to have a child with his wife. Like he definitely has a lot of, uh, they, they, they play into that very well and you kind of forget how good of an actor he is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's great. And it's, and it, of course it's Greenwich. And he, but he, they give him self-awareness where he's like having sex in Greenwich. Well, I guess there's a, there's a, there's a first time for everything. Yeah. Or it's like, <laughs> even, you know, it's like that, uh, that old, uh, joke, um, probably our parent, our parents' generation get this far more than we do. But, um, do you know why wasps don't have orgies? Too many thank you notes. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's like only they would understand where it's like there is a, there is a way things are done yes totally and that is how they are done and that it, and there is no discussion do not brooks no i am your mother now you listen it's like he's like i'm fucking 45 get yeah. shut up you know yeah. but, but he can't he can't because no he's, he's owned by his mom by his by his old money connecticut mom where they're they, they through generations they've never been challenged because they own everything they own the textile mill. They come from, you know, Plymouth Rock money. So it's like, you know, that that's that's a huge wall to go up against, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We always we also talk the same way about like who, uh, how Aiden got over Carrie. We've talked about how they're hopefully because I I do think he is annoying, but I end up finding this like great soft spot for him where we're just like he's it's like you're saying he's he's a good guy he's just owned and he's so messed up and we're like when his mom died you hope that he had some sort of life reckoning where someone had to be like hey you're a good looking dude you're a surgeon you had this great uh wife that you're not married to anymore like can you get some of this figured out like you've got a lot of mom issues that you got to deal with you know like 
But the, the, the sad thing is he probably didn't. He probably just inherited a lot of money and then like and, and the mom's sister just kept doing that for the rest of his life. His aunt then became his mom afterward or something. Right. Or he, 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 became, he became like a, a, a living martyr to his mother. Totally. I do enough i should have done more this kind of thing where that 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 the trauma of of unearned guilt yeah i feel like he probably held a lot of uh a lot of like high teas with his mom's friends that were still alive afterward you know in his well, mother's yeah, honor. And a lot of that is is telling yourself you enjoy a thing you don't enjoy where it's like you know i mean it, it I, lo I love that line in um in old school where Matt Walsh is like, all I do on the weekend is play golf. I fucking hate golf, man. <laughs> he wants to get into the, 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 the guys, the guys frat for adults, you know, it's, but it's like, I wonder, it's like how many of those, I mean, I only reference this because it's, it's pertinent, but that the character or the, the guy I need my special after Doug, uh, I'm convinced he had kids because you're supposed to, because him, him and his wife were, Every time I, I, I say this is about every time I, I, we were on vacation in the Caribbean and every time I saw Doug, he was drunk and wet. Like somehow he woke up in the froth of the surf and him and, and he was in his fifties and him and his wife, if you brought up their kids, like my, we are in a golden era. We have a two-year-old and she's a lot of fun. And if my wife and I are drunk. We'll be like, oh, she's the fucking best. She drives me nuts. But man, you know, it's just, it's, there's this, you can tell when you talk to somebody about their kids if they're really invested and you talk to Doug and his wife and they'd be like, Oh, fucking burr. You know, it was, this, oh. yeah. And, 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 oh. and yeah, uh, it, 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 it's that thing where it's like, what, why did you have them? Because you work in finance and it's, it's what you do because of your, your family pressure where, you know, uh, uh, it, it's, it's even Kyle McLaughlin's character in the show. It's like, not that he's Doug, he's not an asshole, but it's like, does he want this kid? Like his wife does, but you don't know. I don't, I don't know. I know his mom wants one. And so he's going to not even consider what he wants. Totally. So, and that's not, that's a, not a, a good reason to bring a, a living being into existence. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, we, I want to, I want to touch on one other thing before uh, we wrap up and that's Samantha, Samantha being the person who, I mean, Carrie is so out of her element out of the city, but I feel like Samantha's possibly even more out of her element out of the city yes. up yes. at Suffren. Just yes. in, in her, like, expense. They're both in expensive clothes, but I she seems like she's, like, wearing heels, tiptoeing through the mud. Yes. And, and then somehow she not only finds Farmer Luke, but, like, it pulls off an outfit change to go see him. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous outfit change. She puts on a hat that doesn't go with the dress, the, the 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 whatever. It's a onesie or something that she has on at all. Doesn't go with a pink thing she's wearing. Uh, for some reason, she thinks it's farmy, and she lies behind. She's like, "I'm gonna, I'd love to move here," you know. But it's like, I mean, Samantha, Samantha is it's so fuck crazy that if it was a male character, we'd all be like, "I don't like Sam." like that. that sam guy he needs to go wash his dick and fucking go to a sex addict yeah. <laughs> you know, absolutely where it's a, but it works for samantha where it's you know it's it's like uh blanche on on golden girls. on gold girls yeah totally blanche i Devereaux. love the line where um uh blanche is asleep on the couch and to get her to go to bed uh one of the other golden girls is like Blanche, my wife's here. You have to go. And still sleeping, she gets up and leaves the room. Like, <laughs> she's had that said to her by so many husbands. So, like, uh, it's it's such a funny comedic trope because it's a woman. But I'm remembering uh, this guy. This guy, I was in – no, this wasn't a guy I knew in college. But he's, like, an Italian dude I was talking to, a New Yorker. And he was talking about how much he, he, he likes sex in the city. And he's, like – Oh, Samantha, she's such a fucking pig. I love her. I fucking love her. Oh, gosh. <laughs> she's such a pig. But it's like, to him, she is. But it's like, she doesn't, Samantha wouldn't give a fuck what you called her. She's no. going to live her life. She's going to do whatever. But it's so outlandish. The way she's just like, she's just like, I'm going to go fuck that farmer. Like, it's so crazy. But it's hilarious. So much. Yeah. And it's it's great that the thing that, they, I mean, granted, they are they're independent women who are like doing what they want to do. But the fact that a guy that she is enjoying having sex with and spending time with, and it's like, do you want to do this again? And she's like, Oh, stop yeah. talking about that. 
the fact that she's just like, I get away from me. Yeah. I'm, I'm moving on to the next thing. I got what I want from you and now we're done. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. I've known uh, guys who are like, I don't know. She just, we had sex and then she won't return my calls. And it's kind of almost, there's this thing that I've felt I've, I've talked to women about where they're like, well, that's what men want. And I'm like, yeah, but no. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like it, it, it sure men are far, far more like that. Uh, generally speaking, but it's kind of like, I, and I'm not saying like, I feel bad for any of these male characters or anything. But it's, it's so funny that she's just like, why? I know. <laughs> you just climb out a window and not talk to me. I know. I know for sure. Especially after having the most like cartoony, like literal role in the hay. Yep. And then, uh, and then to just be like, Oh, I got to get out of here. I gotta. Also, there was no Uber back then, so getting back to the city has got to yeah. not be easy. How'd they get out? And I was thinking about the, the the this when you first see Samantha the cabin, she's dying. It's so hot, and then she went and fucked in a barn. Like a barn when it's hot is the hottest place in the goddamn world. There's it traps no all the heat. Oh, it's so bad, and all that dry hay all over your bare ass you know there's got to be bugs in there like like oh. like gnats like gnat kind of bugs oh that won't stop buzzing around your face there's also a thing where she gets shot in the face with the milk right. um and then she wipes it off but without going to wash your face like raw milk out of the udder just sort of wiping it off it's gonna dry on your face it's gonna nope. smell it smells smell it smells fast it goes back fast yeah non-pasteurized um yeah yeah and she has that line where she's like i usually get a little bit of a warning before that happens like totally. wah, wah. yeah yeah farmer luke definitely seemed a little uh he i mean they played this up very much but there was a thing where aiden had said like he uh you know kind of got done with the city life and came up here he to me felt very dim just feels like a guy yeah, he's who kind of dumb. he's pretty simple yeah, yeah, definitely play. I mean, it's 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 like totally like the corn-fed farm boy uh, right. stereotype for sure, mm -hmm. but very very much a simple guy. Totally. Well, and they, they he did he did make like the the backstory made sense because when he's like uh, he's definitely very proud of how he lives on that farm now. I'm a farm guy, whereas a farmer would just farm. Be like, That's this so true. All my life, you know, when he's like um, where he's like, you know. If you went to a farmer, you're like, can I have some milk? He would just go get it. He's not going to make you. He's like, go right ahead. It's literally like, I can do it. Can you? Again, we used to live on the Upper West Side, but now I'm milk cows. You know, he makes her go do it. And then as she's doing it, he's like, you ever milked a cow before? Like, no. A farmer would just be like, have you ever milked a cow? I'm asking. You know, like, he, he's he's lording it over her to a degree. Like, he leans against the ladder, arms crossed. Like, look. And it's like, it explains. It Fuck, and now that I think of that explains why he's wearing no fucking shirt. <laughs> we've like, you, we've made it all the way back around to where he, he is the Epcot guy. He went full Jethro, you know. He probably just boils ground coffee in a pot and drinks it all grainy like an asshole. He's <laughs> a coffee maker. You know? <laughs> he's, he's doing shit. He's, he, he's the guy that goes to farm conventions and annoys the shit out of the other farmers. Where they're just like... He's like, you guys use milkers, milking machines? I use my hand. You're like, man, my grandpa has arthritis because he didn't have this fucking meat. Would you fuck off with They're this? like, I'm just trying to sell my milk. I'm uh, not, I, I'm I don't. Gonna, hey, I'm going to lose my farm because all I have is my farm. You sold shares of a devalued company, and so you own this fucking, you're not, we're not the same. You're you driving up the property values out here to yes. where... I'm going to I'm going to have to just sell to you to to yeah. save my family's farm for sure. Exactly. You 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 sandblasted your brand new F150 so it looks like mine. Mine's barely holding together. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Of yeah, I feel like he always is chewing on some sort of long long thing of hay everywhere he goes just to be doing that for He's sure. He's walking around barefoot injuring his feet. Like there's so much loose shit in the woods that's hurting him and he won't show it, but he's like you know, soaking his feet every night. Every other farmer's wearing boots, and they're just like, "You gotta put shoes on, man." Stop. You've got you got a ton of tetanus right now, for sure. You're <laughs> lock jawed completely. Um, 
Well, uh, I, yeah, I, I feel like I feel like we've we've made a good round uh, thing of of the episode. I feel like we've uh, I mean, the, the there's another episode after this one where they continue into suffering um, mm. and Mr. Big makes a visit to suffering. Um, and uh, but I feel like we've dipped the toes in pretty well and, uh, um, you know, dissect, dissected it all because it's definitely um, it's such a weird it's it's. I'm glad we talked about it because it's kind of a weird, it's a weird episode. It's a weird yeah. world of the episode because it's it out, it's out of their version of Meatpacking District. Yeah, I mean, if I'm honest, when I saw the one uh, that I was supposed to watch, I was kind of like, oh man, I want to be in the city, you know. But but at the same time, I liked, I, I still enjoyed the episode, revisiting it, and um, you know, I, I liked that. I liked that she went back in the city to drink red wine and eat red meat with Big, you know, where she got her little fix and then comes back and brings a friend and her friend fucks the farmer. Like, it, it's completely ridiculous and based in almost no reality. Uh, but that's just for time. These are all based, like you said, on writer's experiences or whatnot. So, but it was, it was, it was, it was fun. It was fun. We didn't really get it too much into uh, Steve's balls, but, but, you know, as, as, Steve put it, you know, himself, it's just like, yeah, they go in there, they take it out and it's none, you know, like, so it was, there, there's not a lot to talk about. It's just kind of him and Miranda going, going at it where she's trying to get him to care for himself and he's just being a dude. Yeah. So Which I think, a- I think you really did nail it. It's like, he is definitely, he definitely has a thing where he's just like, it, it'll figure itself out. It's not even don't a bad worry. cancer anymore. Lance Armstrong had it. He's good. Don't, don't worry yourself. You know, I mean, my, my parents, my parents went on vacation, uh, to Portugal a couple of weeks ago and they both got COVID and they'd never had COVID before. And they, they didn't tell me. And so as they're coming back, they're like, yeah, we had COVID on the trip. I'm like, the fuck? They were gone for like three weeks. And I was like, why do you, and there's like, well, we didn't want to, you know, it's just, and the thing is I said to them, look, here's the thing. Don't get offended, but I wouldn't have been bothered or, or worried because you're both in good health and you're both vaxxed. You know, so I wouldn't be worried. I'd be like, ah, that sucks. Sorry, guys. But they just, yeah, I mean, it, my, my parents told me over the pandemic that if they got to the point, this is before we even had a vaccine, if they got to the point where they had to go into a, a defibrillator, or not a defibrillator, um, uh, what do you call it? Not an iron lung. Oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? The, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, the... Wait, like the isolation booth or the the. You're, go, you're going game show. I'm going heart attack. Um, <laughs> I'm like they get to play plinko, a right? A respirator, respirator, respirator. Gotta, intubate, respirator. Intubated with a respirator. They would refuse it because they're at the age where they, it wouldn't save them. And my mom told me that over the phone, and I'm just like, I haven't seen them in months, and I'm I'm like, it was it wrecked me because I'm just like, I don't need to hear this right now. But it's like, you know, it's like you should know. If don't come to the hospital and fight for it because we will just, we're just going to die, you know, but they tell me that, but they don't tell me the thing that like, I wouldn't worry me at all. Absolutely. You know, so it's just, it just goes to show you with regards to, uh, uh, the Connecticut mom. It's like it, a lot of times the parents don't know best. They're as dumb as we are. And we have to keep that in mind as kids. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I think the older that you get, you're just like, whatever, I'm just going to say this, you know, like, I'm sure, I'm sure I I had my my parents and I were walking through, there's a, there's a cemetery in Brooklyn uh, called Greenwood Cemetery. It's a bunch of famous people are buried there. And it's a, it's really, it's nice green space in New York, which, you know, when you got good green space, you gotta, you gotta go walk in it. And uh, as we were talking, they were like, Okay, so the plan is like when our ashes come through, this is where we want them to go. And I was just like, "What? No, no, uh, like just out of the gates, no warning." It's like the Samantha thing. Where I'm like, usually I get a little warning when this conversation's happening. But I think you get to the place with some with parents where they're just like, "Here's the deal, Matt. We're not going to get intubated. Oh, We're just my, going." My, I'll I'll raise you driving past uh, the cemetery uh, by Central Catholic in Portland. And my parents perking up and going, that's where we're going. <laughs> right. That's where we're Hey, like they, they were like, it was like finding out the Blazers made the playoffs. <laughs> oh shit. Oh shit. Shit. We're in, we're in, we're in fucking San Antonio lost. So, you know, it was, they're, they're, they're like, they perked up and they're like, Hey, Hey, hey that's going to be us. <laughs> we're going to live there. And I don't know if it's 
probably because of decades of working in the public school system. But, uh, you know, just like, oh, man, I'm going to be in a sweet ass grave. So much cushion. <laughs> oh, man. Velvet lined. It's going to be the best. I'm going to yeah. be so dead. Um, uh, well, Matt, thank you so much. Thank you, Corey. This is a lot of fun, dude. Yeah. Where can people, uh, where can people, one, keep up with you, and two, check out Doug? So just go, you can go to at uh, Bronger on Instagram and click the link on that. Uh, the link on at Bronger at Twitter. That's B-R-A-U-N-G-E-R. Uh, MattBronger.com for everything else. Uh, you can also just Google Matt Bronger Doug and it'll come up. It's it's on Google Play. It's on Vudu. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, and then it's if you just want to listen, you can just pull it up on any number of uh, streaming services, all that jazz, uh, if you uh, don't want to pay for the special. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, last thing I'll say is just get out there and support live performance. I won't just be comedy, uh, you know, support people that are that are doing performing art. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, cool. We'll put a link up to all that stuff. And uh, thanks so much for doing it, man. Thanks for doing the Bradshaw Boys. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, Corey. Later, taters. The Bradshaw Boys stars Corey Cabin, Kevin James Doyle, and John Sieber. The show is produced by me, Jeremy Balin, and narrated by Katie Sieber. This podcast is part of the Seltzer Kings Network. Check out all their great podcasts at seltzerkings.com. You can find the boys on their socials at The Bradshaw Boys or on their website at bradshawboys.com. And as always, if you see them in the street, tip your glass. Thanks for listening.